Good morning, class. Good morning, Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. There's always more to learn about these things. We're growing up in Him. And we're supposed to grow up to the full measure, the full stature of Christ, being like Him. And you don't want to be hung up in the past forgetting those things that are behind. Reach and press toward the mark for the prize, the high call of God in Christ Jesus. And that call is come up. Come up higher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Become more like the Master. So let's... uh, Let's let him work on us some more today. Get your Bible, something to make a note with. Come on into the classroom and let's release faith for it now. Father, in Jesus' name, all of us, we agree together as touching this and asking this. We ask you for the utterance that only you can give. We ask for the illumination, for the enlightenment, for the revelation of your wonderful living wisdom in your word, for the working of your Holy Spirit uh, here uh, in every place where this is viewed and heard and received. Manifest, I pray, Lord, your presence, your healing power, your delivering power, your restoring power, and add to your people of your goodness. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The big deal is uh, if you pray a prayer in faith, when you finish the prayer, you expect, you expect results. Hallelujah. You expect things to happen. If you do that, and then every time you're thinking about it, whether it's tomorrow, next day, or next week, you're still expecting, you're in faith. Amen. If you'd go please to Hebrews, the third chapter, and also we'll be looking in 1 Corinthians 10, our main text on the series that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. Hebrews 3 and 7, he said, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me proved me and saw my works 40 years. They, they tried God's patience. They tried to test him and prove him. And that was a mistake because it was they who were on trial. It was their faith that was being tested. And many today have that same wrong idea that they're going to You know, God proved to me this. God proved to me that. If you really don't know what you're talking about and say, God, if you're real, you know, reveal yourself to me. Like we're looking at yesterday, 
even though it is a question, there can be different hearts. And if you're sincere, the Lord's gracious. He will. But especially after you have seen, like they did, many miracles and many answers to prayer, and if you're still talking about, well, God, prove this to me or prove that to me. No, it's not him that needs to prove anything. Uh, your faith would be then failing the test. And so he went on to say, I was grieved, verse 10, with that generation. And so they always err in their heart. They've not known my ways. Verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He said, verse 14, we're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. We're made partakers if, we might say, if you don't quit. If you hold on to your faith, your confidence, your persuasion, your expectation, steadfast, unwavering, unchanging to the end. Verse 19 says they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. Other scriptures says their heart was not steadfast. They weren't steadfast with him. Look in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. He's talking about the same thing. He said everything that happened with those Israelites that came out of Egypt and through the Red Sea and um, said they, um, those things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they did and don't be idolaters like them and don't commit fornication like them and don't tempt Christ like them. Verse 10, don't murmur as some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen to them for examples and they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So we've been going and looking at these examples where they, uh, they actually failed the test to trust God because we're seeing the evidences of it and why it happened and how it happened, purposing we're not going to let that happen to us. They were robbed of God's best. They were robbed of God's will and plan for their life. Just because God wants something to happen for you that does not mean it's automatically going to happen. Uh, he requires cooperation with us to believe it, to listen, to follow. And so even though Canaan's land had been his choice before the foundation of the world, the scripture said, he never changes. And yet that first generation never enjoyed one day in Canaan's land. Now, when you think about it, it's, it's sad because every day they were out there in that bleak, barren des desert griping and complaining was a day God had planned for them to be in Canaan's land. <laughs> his plan, according to his plan, they weren't supposed to be there in the desert. They were supposed to be under their shade tree. <laughs> they were supposed to be celebrating their harvest at their new barn. Are y'all with me? They were to be 
in their, you know, third and fourth decade of living a free man, a free woman. Hallelujah. A property owner, a homeowner with children and grandchildren to enjoy. That was God's plan. But God's plan never came to pass for them. They lived and died and did not enjoy God's plan for their life. See, some have mistakenly thought that, well, if it's God's plan, it's going to happen. You know, if it's God's will, it's going to happen. And you hear people say and try to preach and teach that everything that happens is the will of God. So if it happened, it was the will of God. If it didn't happen, it was the will of God. This is not what the Bible teaches. Not at all. I mean, can't you see in these passages right here? They didn't, why didn't they enter in? Because God changed his mind? No. No. Because it wasn't the will of God? No, because of their unbelief. They were robbed of what God had for them. Now, why are we talking about that? Because the Bible said these things are examples for us today, and we are to be warned and cautioned by them. Why? Because God does not want the same thing happening to us that happened to them, that we be robbed of the, our blessings in Christ that we be robbed of God's good plan for us today. So there are a lot of people, sadly, who are, you know, they're mad at God. Why is my life this way? Why are things so hard? Why don't I have this? And it's already this many years into my life, and why, why hasn't this happened? Well, what the, can you see? They're, they're tempting Him. They're challenging Him. They're questioning His goodness. They're doing the same thing. These guys did. Well, God, where are you? Wrong question. Wrong attitude. Come on, can you see this? This is not how you get answers. This is not how you come in. The Bible said more than one place, in the Psalms and also in the Proverbs and other places, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Another place says it's the beginning of wisdom. Say that out loud. The fear of the Lord. Is the beginning of knowledge. The beginning of wisdom. Well, see, the plan of God is the wisdom of God. So you won't even begin. You will not, no one on the planet will even begin to understand and know God's will and way and plan unless you show some respect for God. You won't even start. The fear of the Lord includes reverence and respect. So you don't start with, God, why didn't you do this? And why not that? And so we talked about that in yesterday's class about these questions. The angel shut Zacharias up when he asked an unbelieving question. If you ask a question, it needs to be like Mary's question. Not that you're doubting. You'd just like to understand something, right? You'd just like to know. And, and in that case, the angel didn't shut her up. He explained it to her, didn't he? He told her, this is how it's going to happen. And did she understand all of that? Of course not. We, who could? But that was enough for her. She said, okay, be it unto me according to your word. Let it happen. And it did. Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs>
and our Savior was born. Uh, go to Exodus, if you would, the 15th chapter. Let's continue in our study of these things because the better we identify this evil thing called unbelief, then the more aware and, and better forearmed we are to stop it before it takes root and develops in our own life. We can see it coming. We can, we can hear the tone of it and notice the way it, it acts and reacts and reject it. And whereas people are rejecting God, we're going to reject the enemy. Amen. We're going to reject unbelief, yes. right? Yes. And we're going to have God's best Amen. for us and for our people. And In, in Exodus uh, 14, after they were delivered from the Egyptian army in the Red Sea, and, and then verse chapter 15, they sang God's praises, and we see a, a brief moment <laughs> of uh, faith, but it was after they saw the deliverance, and there's no immediate pressure or threat, but then verse 22, Exodus 15, 22, they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And we saw that, you know, that Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, Don't say, What are we going to drink? What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Do you remember Jesus said that? He, he, said, he said, don't say that. If the Lord says, don't say that, what should you do? Don't say that. Don't say that. It's, it's real simple. Well, what's wrong with, with saying, what are we going to eat? It's the unbelief that's the problem, not just an inquiry. Like we already saw between Zacharias and Mary, the difference. If you're inquiring of the Lord, Lord, what do I need to do? Uh, where do I need to sow seed? Where do I need to work? Uh, what do I need to do so that, you know, we have abundant provision and you're wanting to know any direction? Well, that's one thing. But when you're asking in unbelief and in fear, and that whole sixth chapter, he kept saying, don't take any thought, and that, that word is, can also be translated anxiety. Don't be anxious. Don't take any anxious thought. And so he's talking about asking questions in anxiety. What are we going to eat? Uh, what are we going to wear? Uh, where are we going to get money, you know, for rent this month? And, and how are we going to do this? And it doesn't matter if you're an individual, uh, you know, living in an efficiency, or if you're a parent with five kids and tuition and school, or if you're pastors of a church with bills or ministry or a business with 10 employees or 10,000, the principle is the same. If you are a believer, you don't ask whining, anxious questions. <laughs> you make faith declarations. Oh, class, are y'all with me today? This is so important. I know uh, uh, years ago, in the beginning days of ministry, 
uh, a particular thing came up and the Lord corrected me on it. Um, they, we, we, had, uh, we had a couple of staff and we, we had some bills and uh, uh, the question came up, the office asked me, you know, what are we going to do about this? And I said, uh, I don't know. And then a couple hours later, there was another question, what are we going to do about this other thing? I said, uh, I don't know. And then I, I was already dealing with some other things. And so about half a dozen things through the day, we need more money for this. And we need more money for that. And this is going to come up right after that. And I had said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And finally, uh, I got off the phone and I just said for the, about the fifth time, I don't know. And the Lord said, no, and you won't find out like that. I kept to keep saying, I don't know. Huh? Because what, what's natural to come after that if you keep thinking about what we don't have, what we need, if you don't watch it, the enemy's trying to get in your mouth, what are we going to do? Come on, can you see this? He's subtle. He's tricky. And he practices what I call the pile-up technique. And he tries to catch you, wait and catch you when you're already weak. When you're already a bit overloaded and a bit weak, he, he's, he's like a predator in that uh, way in that he watches for the opportunity when you are weakest and most vulnerable and that's when he wants to pour it on and his hope is that you'll go oh no not more oh no not more oh no not more and at some point you go oh it's too much oh I just can't, can't handle it and get you to talk some doubt and unbelief get you in because of your feelings and because of feeling overwhelmed that you go, I can't take this anymore. And he has a right to act on that because you declared it. If you said, I can't take this anymore, I can't deal with this anymore, then he has his spirits that he can assign and say, okay, bring that to pass that they can't deal with it anymore. They said it. See, he's looking for access. He's looking for a way in. And didn't the Bible say, he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he can't just do it indiscriminately. He's looking to see who he can devour and destroy. And didn't the Bible say, give the devil what? Neither give him any place. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So he's looking to, to, to move you to speak words of access for him, which are words of unbelief. Uh, it's no accident that every time there was some kind of challenge, some kind of pressure came on, we, in these 10 accounts that happened over months and months, the same thing came out of their mouth. What are we going to do? What are we going to get? Moses, it's all your fault. <laughs> We're all going to die out here. And the next time, a few months later, same stuff came out of their mouth. A few months later, same stuff. Why? This is no coincidence. 
Where, why are they saying those things? Because the enemy is pushing them to say it. He's pushing them. And that's why sometimes even people who know better, in a moment of weakness, they'll find themselves saying stuff they know better, and then they realize, what, what am I saying? It's because these things are not just mental and natural, they're spiritual. The enemy is there, or one of his spirits, trying to push you to say it push you, go ahead and say it. Say you can't make it. Say it's not going to work. Say it. Why do they care? Because they need access to hurt you. They can't just do it. And they certainly can't do it when you slam the door in their face and you say, we will make it. We will. God is helping us. He's on my side. He is for me. We're more than enough, hallelujah, with his help. When you start talking like that, it just slams the door in the enemy's face. You're giving him no access, which is why he will work on you, work on you, work on you. And this is not a nice thought, but this is just reality. This is just how it is. The Bible said, you know, uh, though we don't walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. What? Casting down imaginations. Well, where are those imaginations coming from? And bringing into captivity every thought. Do these thoughts matter? Well, where are they coming from? See, the enemy is trying to push them. So the first time anything would come up, they've seen miracles in the land of Egypt. They saw deliverance in the Red Sea. It's only been three days, and now there's no water. What does the enemy do? Oh, oh, you're going to die out here. You're going to die out here. Why? No water. No water. You're going to die out here. And instead of resisting it, instead of even trying to resist it, they just yield to it and just let it flow out of their mouth and murmured against Moses. You brought us out here. It's all your fault. We're going to die out here. Why does the enemy care? Well, what happened to them eventually? It didn't happen the first day or the first week or the first month. But what eventually happened to them? Exactly what was coming out of their mouth. That's why the devil cares. He wants you destroyed. But he knows he needs your help. He needs your mouth. He needs your permission, whether you think you're giving it or not. But we're not ignorant of his devices. We're learning. We're growing, which is why we need to make a change. Everybody pray it, say it out loud. Lord, set a watch at the door of my mouth, at the door of my lips, and alert me, lest I say things that give the enemy access and I will take heed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The proverb says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. And they that, you know, love the life part, they'll eat the fruit of the life part. Hallelujah. He, uh, the scripture said they found no water and they came to Marin, they couldn't drink and so they murmured and they said, what shall we drink? The Lord said, like we said in Matthew 6, he said, don't say that. Don't say, 
What are we going to wear? What are we going to, uh, to, to eat? What are we going to drink? How will we be clothed? This is Matthew 6, 31. He said, uh, I'm, I'm going to read the rest of it to you. He said, for after all these things do the Gentiles, people outside of the covenant of God, that's how they talk. That's how they seek. Your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. We're talking about faith. We're not just talking about faith in a, you know, in principles. We're talking about faith in a person. Right? And faith in God is faith in His nature, in His character, and in His love. That's, and that covers so much. That's why you don't have to know all the details of a situation to expect a certain outcome. <laughs> and which after 12, uh, excuse me, 11 now, signs and wonders that nobody in the earth's ever heard of, they should be getting a clue, right? That God is real. How can any of them out there, after what they just saw, these signs and wonders in Egypt, what they just saw in, in the Red Sea, how can any of them reasonably question the existence of God or the power of God? If He can do that, why can't He get you some water? Right? <laughs> Why can't he get you some water? Is it reasonable to doubt him like this? And that's why the Bible says with Jesus, even with his disciples, in more than one situation, says he, uh, uh, it bothered him. He was grieved and even angered at their hardness of heart and their unbelief. Why? Because there's no reason for it. There's no justification for it. He's never lied. He's never failed. So why is it such a big problem? Because of the enemy. Constantly pushing people to die. And because of your flesh. But it's our choice. I want you to say it out loud. No one can make me doubt my God. No one can make me question his love, his ability, Every challenge, Every challenge is another opportunity, is another opportunity for, me to demonstrate my faith for me to demonstrate my faith in my good God. In my good God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when you see that, when you come across a hill and there's no water, instead of getting into all this junk, you can go, all right, guys. Time for another miracle. <laughs> We've already seen 11. We're about to see number 12. <laughs> Y'all ready? All right, get ready for a miracle. <laughs> oh, that pleases your father. That is music to your father God's ears when you talk like that and you mean it. Hallelujah. Well, our times just begin today. Say it out loud. I live by faith. I walk by faith. I overcome the world by faith. I am strong in faith, giving glory to God. I come back tomorrow. There's a whole lot more to see. But in the meantime, talk right. <laughs> talk faith. We'll see you soon back here at Faith School. I've got the big
Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.